Hey, JC, JC, <laughs> what you've done? Won't you die for me? me? I brought I'm gonna stab you a with lot all of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> patrons hello gentles all welcome to what you will a tedious and brief shakespeare podcast i'm charlotte arlene and i'm danielle Cohn with mm. a cold we're especially gravelly today yeah i sound nasal but maybe in a sexy way you, you've got kind of like an over the hill like disney princess sound <laughs> going because it's like in the nose but also like low and luscious yeah i love it it's I, that's really funny. So, um, <laughs> so, lounge singer Ariel, uh, what play are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Julius Caesar. Yay. It's um, Charlotte's favorite play. It's not. Is the fun part about it. Is that it's, Charlotte just... Look, I love all of Shakespeare's plays like except her for, children except for because I love all of Shakespeare's plays yeah, and all of the bastards all of the ones <laughs> that he touched and wrote with his good hands and mind but Julius Caesar look it, it's the it's no, the, the thing Ides you of March need to know here's yes welcome to the or happy Ides of March happy Ides of March everyone that. listen to your soothsayers listen to your soothsayers listen to your wives if you meet a lion in the street go home <laughs> literally just be we'll get there but uh yeah i feel like the thing you should know about charlotte is that the the genre she hates the most is when older white men talk quietly to each other look any and this this is the shakespeare play equivalent of that this is shakespeare's Aaron Sorkinist play. This is this is Aaron Sh- Aaron Shakespeare. <laughs> this is Bill Shakes the West Wing. This is the proto West Wing. Danielle was watching the West Wing the other day, and I came into I her like room. I like the West Wing. That's fine. Look, I'm not here. No, I'm to, just telling our listeners. I'm not here to take I away like the West Wing. Anyone's West Wings. I'm not here to take away anyone's just their East Wing. Anyone's gangster movies. And their Red Wing. But any one any movie where they film scenes at night, and I have to like adjust my a laptop <laughs> brightness to know what's going on any movie or tv show where it's like sir we have to talk to you about that where they're like talking quietly and, and their ears aren't pointed like aliens and their ears aren't po- <laughs> it, like i can handle it if it's and then a dragon comes or or okay if i, I mean spaceship. here's the thing where i'm a huge hypocrite because i love me some star trek and that show is all just men talking quietly to each other about like but they're wearing space clothes yeah and they're all and they're, they're fighting aliens. they're all sweet gay communists and it's different it's more fun than, but yeah so so Julius Caesar was um so it was challenging. <laughs> it was a challenging piece for me personally because it's just ev- just a bunch of men talking about who gets to be leader of their club. This is I can't their do gangster Rome. It can't do gangster movies either. I saw The Godfather once I feel on like a you're bus. Confessing. I saw The Godfather like pouring out Father, of Father I have sinned. No, okay. I saw The Godfather on a bus. Also side note, I have seen more movies on buses than anyone else maybe who's ever lived. I've never met someone who's seen as many I movies just, on buses. Whenever as you. like people will talk about like Forrest Gump or Double Jeopardy and I'll be like, "Oh, I saw that on a bus." Is Double and, Jeopardy a movie? Yeah. 
I saw it on a bus. <laughs> I think it double jeopardy or double indemnity, something like that. One of those <laughs> it words. It just has a lot of syllables. You know, it's fine. Um, but I saw The Godfather on a bus, couldn't hear a single word of it. Probably that was the bus. But it's just any movie where I have no, to... No, the secret of The Godfather is that there are no words in it. That's why everyone likes it. <laughs> but it was pretending. just a bunch of guys being like, oh, who gets to be dad? I don't know. Let's kill someone. I can't. I can't. And on that note, a similarly, <laughs> you know, Italian mob... Uh, an Italian mob? Yes, well, so we, I think it's a, Because it's an Italian gangster movie, and I like Italy, beautiful nation. Big fan of the Aeneid. Big fan of ancient Rome. Nothing against the uh, Italian set plays and stories. Yeah, she likes Romeo and Juliet. I like Romeo and Juliet. But it is a gangster movie a little bit. Yeah, it it's the West Wing. It's a gangster movie. So what's funny is um, as much as Charlotte just just detested this beautiful play, um, I had kind of... Oh, wait. Before we get into it, let's, let's summarize it. Let's For summarize those people it. who are like, what have they been verbaling about? Uh, I've not seen this particular Shakespearean episode of the West Wing. Here is our three-minute summary of Aaron Sorkin's Julius Caesar. <laughs> so there's like a cobbler and he's like, jokes, jokes, jokes. And um, then all these Romans are like, hey, Caesar is here and he's the best Roman and we love him. But then some Romans are like, mm, he's taking too much power because we're a republic, I think. And he's like, gonna be crowned and we're gonna go tell his BFF Brutus that we think he's no good news. Yeah, so basically there's this faction of conspirators who are worried that he is going to seize power, um, and so they all agree to kill Julius Caesar. Um, Brutus feels really cut up about it because he is very honorable, and also maybe he's Julius Caesar's best friend. Um, Side note, Brutus has a wife named Portia who's fucking metal, where she's like, Brutus, why won't you tell me what's going on? I stabbed myself in the leg to prove how trustworthy I am. Um, she dies, of course. Yeah, so um, all of Brutus's friends from Rome are like, Brutus, come kneel Caesar with us! And Brutus is Ned Stark, so for a while he's like, no, no, no. But then he's like, I guess this is the honorable thing to do. Uh, so he's like, yes. Uh, and meanwhile, Caesar is taking a bath in, in that one production that we saw. And his wife, Calpurnia, is like, don't go to work today because there are like lions and the sky is erupting. And, and I and, had a crazy dream. And zombies are coming back from the dead. And I had a weird dream. And I think you're going to get all stabbed. And Caesar's like, all right, I'll stay home. And then one of the guys comes over and is like, Caesar, come to the Senate. And he's like, fuck you, wife. I'm going to go to the Senate. So he does. And all of the conspirators stab him as planned. Um, and again, they're kind of shady about it, but Brutus, because he's a simple, simple boy, Brutus. is like, we're going to dip our hands in his blood to show how much we cared about him. But the optics on that are just like, they are bloody butchers. Anyway, so Caesar's other BFF, Mark Antony, was not a conspirator and finds out about this and is like, hey, can I speak at the funeral? I'm really kind of horrified, but I'm going to try to trust you that there's a good reason. So Brutus is like, we had a wonderful reason. So he gets up at the funeral and first Brutus speaks and he basically says, I slew him because he was ambitious and I care more about Rome than I care about anything else um, and then Antony gets up and he through some fantastic double talking basically without actually bad talking the conspirators convinces the entire rabble of the crowd uh, that the conspirators killed Caesar in cold blood and that they should be loyal to Caesar again and well, all hell breaks loose well also Antony is like oh Caesar has a will and he left you all this stuff and the guy the common people are like well, we like stuff 
And so, um, yeah, and then Antony goes to Octavius, who grows up to be Augustus Caesar, who's the only character in this play I care about. And he is like, okay, we're going to kill all the conspirators. And then Brutus and all his friends have to go to war, and they're all mad at each other and fighting. Brutus sees Caesar's ghost, and Caesar's ghost is like, see you later. And Brutus is like, cool. And then all the conspirators die on the battlefield. Mostly they kill themselves. Mostly they, they kill themselves. They're gonna lose. And it's over. And they lose. And that's Julius Caesar. Yeah. So, so the thing about this play that's interesting to me, or is that I feel like I get more or something significantly different out of it every time I've experienced it, um, which is something I don't feel about a ton of media. But uh, it's it was funny because as we were reading this play, and Charlotte was like, "Why am I being put through this torture?" I was like, "Wow, I've taken more notes for this." podcast than any before what i thought was interesting is i enjoyed the second half of the play much more than the first half of the play in reading it oh whereas i'm the opposite but the second half is the part i find boring seeing it i hated the second half of the play so i've i think i've only seen this play twice um we both saw the production at in shakespeare in the park yeah i yeah. definitely think we should so talk about we both that saw the the, the famous one that everyone freaked out about where, where trump was the yeah where Julius caesar Hitler. was done a la um he who shall not be named and uh Calpurnia was Melania and but no one else like was a one-to-one well that was my one of my my personal problems with it is I felt like it was a real missed opportunity to not make Mark Antony Kellyanne Conway uh, yeah, Mark Antony. Because they made her a woman. She was like a southern woman and senator. And she's really good. And Mark Antony w- works as a woman, totally. Yeah. Um, she should have been Kellyanne Conway, and Octavius should have been Ivanka. It was it was a real missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, if you're going to do, and this is my personal feeling just in general, if you're going to do a super specific concept, go all the way. I do think a lot of it worked it well. Did. But yeah, with that one, it's so because the thing is like, ah, oh, get it? get it caesar trump get it was that was the concept that after caesar dies you're just like oh that's a lot more play after caesar dies huh oh whereas i felt very differently about that particular production because okay so again sort of going through like my personal journey with julius caesar is when i had read it in school for the first time i feel like it was very much uh framed as these are the conspirators and they are very jealous and they are sort of the bad guys and they trick brutus into joining them and like caesar probably didn't deserve to die like that was sort of the way i at least really i don't know maybe i just remember it wrong because also it was just being taught during a persuasive unit so really Uh all we were being taught was different ways to persuade people things but I remember feeling on my first very young read like Cassius was a bad guy and like everyone else was maybe trying to do their best but I thought he was very sneaky but then what was interesting about seeing it as Trump um, intended for a liberal audience is that it was also at a time I mean I guess this has been his whole presidency but that particular like week or month there had been a lot of really passionate talk about impeachment yeah um and to me what was interesting at this play is a lot of conservatives were like how dare you kill someone who looks like Trump we're upset but really the argument of the play is that you can't kill a movement by killing a man and that killing one man doesn't fix everything yeah. and watching the play unravel after Trump's death one I was surprised that I was a little bit shocked to see even the worst president who I personally detest, like, be stabbed. Like, that was still early enough in his presidency that that was still like, oh, wow, that's a person that I've seen Mm -hmm. bleeding a lot. But then, really, it was being like, oh, even if we did impeach him, 
look at all these problems still. And then also the way it was designed, which is also very much in keeping with the play, it like started with an image and ended with the same image, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, nothing has changed. No. Yeah, that's really. You need a plan if you're gonna stab somebody. You do. It's really yeah. It's don't, a good lesson for American foreign policy. Don't stab without a plan. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. So I've I've never read this play in school. Um, I've never. I don't think that I'm, I don't want to blame my English no, teachers no, no. because that's also just like my memory of it, and I was also. I don't know. I I might have just remembered wrong, but I remember being like, oh yeah, Cassius is kind of sneaky, and then watching the one in the park and being like, oh, I agree with everything Cassius is saying, and then reading it this time and being like, oh, you can do it either way, I think. I think there's evidence think, on both sides. Yeah, I think, so what was interesting to me is, um, so <laughs> weirdly, I feel like I know Coriolanus better, even though I've only even seen Coriolanus, I've only seen Coriolanus once, um, but it, it's... Uh, well, arguably, arguably, they're both fairly simple plays. But Coriolanus is a similar story. It's a Shakespeare play that no one cares about and no one has read. Um, but it, it's similarly like, this guy, ain't he great for our Ro- for Rome or our Rome-adjacent city? And all the people are kind of like, no. So it's more of like a man versus the people thing. But it's a play where you can really watch it from either perspective. Like, it's been banned by both fascist and communist governments. Um, because people read it differently. Julius Caesar, I think, is similar, that you can read it from both perspectives, but where it kind of... I, look, I, I don't I don't hate this play. It's I find no, it, setting I find it, up. it challenging. It's fun. You okay, to, I hate it. Fine, I hate, hate it. it. I hate it. I hate it. I love it. Fine, I hate it. We both we both we both feel, feel pretty medium about this uh, play. medium about this play. But for the purposes of the podcast, great for, for the podcast. Ugh, I hate it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do think you She's can pounding things with her fists, uh, anger. But what makes it hard is that one Caesar is barely a character that's what i was gonna and say two, and also everyone's name starts with c or is brutus which is very confusing my favorite scene two is, scenes is it, is it two or what well, the scenes where people are like same name yeah i like that also sorry you finish your sentence oh no just my favorite scene in the entire play is when <laughs> so one of the conspirators is named cinna or mm-hmm. kinna if we're going by the um latin pronunciation uh cinna she is, took latin um, i took I, hey everyone, I took Latin in high school. Um, <laughs> so there's a, a conspirator named Cinna who's one of the guys who stabs Caesar. And then there's a, one just one short scene after Caesar's been killed and Antony has whipped everyone up into a fervor over it um, where this guy named Cinna is walking around being, oh, I'm Cinna the poet and I'm going to Caesar's funeral. And a bunch of thugs are like, hey, what's your name, kid? And he's like, Cinna. And they start beating him up and he's like, no, Cinna the poet, Cinna the poet, Cinna the poet. Because he doesn't want to be confused with Sin of the Conspirator. So I like that they acknowledge that everyone Well, in and it happens Rome twice. It also happens in that, in that battle field scene. Yes. Where, where Decius Brutus, I believe, or one of the other Brutuses, the Bruti, is like, here I am, Brutus. And they're like, we caught Brutus. And Mark Antony's like, that's the wrong Brutus. But like, keep him anyway. It's fine. He's a good, he's a, he's a good enough dude that he's a good prisoner, but like, wrong Brutus. Get it? So I also like that Shakespeare, so kind of like the West Wing, which I'm just going to keep. <laughs> I'm going to do a lot of parallels to the West Wings just bear with me but the one of the things I like about the West Wing is that it balances being like we are the government and we are conducting things with foreign affairs and blah 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 blah. but there's like a balance of that and like lol CJ has a toothache comedy ensues or like Donna voted for the wrong guy you know what I mean so 
I like that similarly this play is chock-a-block full of goofy humor and it never it's, lets it's up ba- it's based on the west wing it's it's it is it's aaron sorkin ghost wrote um ghost get it ghost wrote well, julius caesar because there's a ghost there is a ghost there's the lamest of ghosts yeah we'll talk about the ghost in just a second but i i love that there's so much humor of like the the classic shoemaker jokes at the beginning oh, where they run into a guy shoemaker. and he's like they're like what are you and he's like a cobbler and they're like a what and then he makes a bunch of jokes about mending souls and then at the end is like i am a cobbler and they're like oh a cobbler even though he did introduce at the beginning i feel like what happened is they wrote that scene without saying cobbler at the top and it didn't get as good a laugh (laughs) so they put in cobbler at the beginning because you need the setup for the punchlines but then never took it out at the end so it is just a pointless scene but it is, I, I think one of the curious things about Julius Caesar, larger, more curious things, is how to tonally do this play. Because I think the way that I've most often seen it done or talked about um, and a lot of more recent productions that are trying to be edgy, like the Trump one, mm-hmm. they set it in this sort of West Wing-esque, like, where politics and that's what's going on. And that makes sense for a lot of the play that I find interesting about, like, the mob mentality and who should be a ruler and honor and stuff that we'll talk about later. But I think what you lose is how freaking mystical this play is. But you also don't see a lot of the mystic stuff because you see one ghost for like two seconds. And then at the end of the play, Brutus is like, I got visited by that ghost again, but we did not see that happen. And you've got all this incredible language about like, there's fire falling from the sky yeah i actually um i don't know it's weird i well here's the thing i love the cobbler scene for so many reasons and one of them is that it sets us up with as shakespeare often does Mm -hmm. in his plays with um hey here are the normal people the common folk who are talking about these bigs Mm goings-ons and then we get to see the bigs goings-ons um but if for this play particularly i think a lot of what i took away from it as any kind of message which i think I don't know that this one is so much of a message play, so much as Shakespeare being like, the kids, they like the Julius Caesar stabbing. They like violent Roman things. Here you go. It, it famous. All right, new play. Um, but I, I do think that um, Caesar is a man of the people. The people love Caesar. Yeah. And it sets us up as, hey, the common folk actually really like this guy, but the other politicians think that they can sort of just cowboy the situation and decide what's best for Rome, but on the flip side, then again, like Caesar is threatening their republic. Their, you know, it, it, it was a brand of democracy. Their democracy. Um, oh yeah, but just to connect that to all the mystic stuff, um, I love one. Uh, th- there are a lot of great lines in Caesar Fall that I was like, no, the entire time. Um, but when Calpurnia is like, Caesar, don't go to work. I had a dream. Um, she cites, she's talking about like, there's fire from the sky and there are lions in the streets and the dead are coming out of their graves. And she's like, this kind of stuff doesn't happen when common people die. This happens when like a great man dies. But I do think it's significant that we, the audience, don't ever get to see anything mystic or fantastical. Even the ghost comes to Brutus when every he's sleepy. He's sleepy. He, it's it's I, very ambiguous if it's a real ghost or a dream. So because he wakes everyone up, being like, "Did you see a ghost?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> I think there's kind of a one reading of this play, which I'm not necessarily saying is like the best or the only reading, is that it's a, a lot of the mysticism and grandeur and the earth is cracking apart because Caesar will die is like 
these politicians thinking that everything they do is so important when, like you said, at the end of the play, what has changed that much for the Roman people? And what are, are they actually doing anything in service of Rome or are they doing things in service of the idea of Rome? Well, that's what's also interesting is there is th- that idea. And also there's, I was going to say this for later, but fuck it, here we are. Um, I, it, a, a, a speech that stuck out to me mm-hmm. when we watched the Trumpian production, which again, I don't know if they intended this to stick out mm-hmm. or not. It kind of felt like a, a potential flaw, but is that at the very end, they're like, just in case you didn't get it, here lies Brutus. He was the purest one. All of the rest of them <laughs> were ambitious and were jealous, and that's why they did it. But Brutus was Brutus pure. is Ned Stark. Brutus, Brutus is Red Stark, is what Brutus I was Brutus is say. Red Stark. Brutus is, is Ned Stark. But what's weird is that that is still coming from the enemy. Yeah. And so it does feel potentially ambiguous because... If you've built a play like they did at the public where everyone is potentially really acting in what they think is the Mm -hmm. best interest of the country, then what you're watching is history being written. Yeah. What you're watching is not Brutus was the only pure one. You are watching the spin happen right in front of you because Brutus is an honorable man and they're going to use that. That idea that Brutus is the only well-intentioned one feels very like a thing the play makers need to make a decision about the before the play starts and support yeah. so that we know by the end if we are watching the tragic fall of an honorable man who's been tricked, mm-hmm. Brutus, or if we are watching a bunch of people fight for what they think is right for their country and lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both of those are interesting stories but and both are supported by the play, but they are very different. Yeah, I, I, it, again, I think it's a play that you can actually have a lot of really interesting, really different reads on. Yeah. The characters aren't that interesting. Well, and I think also but... the, fr- the <laughs> it kind of suffers from the we don't get enough time with anyone no. problem. Where Caesar dies in Act 2, Scene 5. Yeah. This is a play called Julius Caesar about a He's guy in like who's scene. in like two scenes. <laughs> two scenes. And it's also even his scenes, like, he's got some incredible lines out of context of, of yeah. like the, you know, the thing about how the the cowardly men die many times before mm-hmm. their death and the brave. Like almost every great Shakespeare quote, it's been just taken out of context so many times. But if you look at the context, the play isn't advocating for that. Yeah, it's, it's um, <laughs> cowards, di- I'm, I am paraphrasing. But die many times, a thousand times before their death, the valiant taste of it, but once is the bad paraphrase. Right, so he's saying that, like, if, you know, cowardly men just have a, a thousand tiny deaths, but, like, the valiant, it's, you're just living you your life your until the life. end. But that does not serve Caesar well at all. And also, he, I love the line Calpurnia says with, like, um, I, I'm, again, paraphrasing. Like, say it's my fault. Well, well yeah, no, she says, that I don't love. Calpurnia, yeah. stand up for yourself. But when she's like, I think you're just overconfident, Caesar. Yeah. Um, like, she really calls him out for he has fallen in love with the myth of Caesar just as much as anyone else. Yeah, and I love that also just everyone is aware of it because yeah. the guy the, the guy who whose job it is to go get him to come to the Capitol um, because it's there's a rumor that he might not come because all this weird shit is happening and Calpurnia is nervous. Um, he's like... Caesar loves it when I say that weak men love flatterers, but he doesn't. Oh, there's Here's, our kitchen. There's right our... <laughs> it's really a character in the podcast at this point. It's it part of the podcast point. where our kitchen screams in agony. Um, 
But where he's like, he he loves uh, when I say that only only shitty men like flatterers, but that he doesn't like flatterers, in which I am flattering him. So he's just this very easily manipulatable guy. Yeah, he super is. I, I also kept thinking, and I have done no research. I also I kept... wrote down, just because we've already left this, one of my notes was, is fire a weather pattern? That's all. Uh, one of the, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, oh. No, I've done no research on this, but one thing I kept thinking as I was reading is, how was this place seen in its Elizabethan context? I actually, we should look well, it up actually. if this is Elizabethan or um, Jacobean, but, because I, I actually do think that would make a big difference as to how people saw it, because it's this place, it means so much to us, and like that line, how many times will this scene be played out um, in, you know different countries and accents yet unheard or states yet uncreated and accents yet unheard. Again, paraphrase, <laughs> refuse to crack open the book for this yeah, one. We're not looking <laughs> at it. <laughs> Don't have it in front of me. Yeah, which is so profound to us. And especially watching the, the Trump Caesar with, it, it's a very large theater at the Delacorte in Central Park. And you could really just feel the audience feel that line and like, oh my gosh, this feels so relevant to us in this time where our democracy feels fragile, tenuous, yeah. tenuous, and where it seems like a cult of personality could overthrow the government that we've all known our entire lives. How did that all play in a monarchy where the idea of like someone being crowned and overthrowing your democracy isn't that scary because democracy is not a thing that you have. I don't know. And also the fact that Octavius essentially is like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It, At the I end. Mean, I do think we're supposed to, I, I think probably, well, um, I don't know. There's been a lot of scholarship about Shakespeare never, 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 never use his history plays about English history to like talk about his political feelings at the time. Mm -hmm. But that a lot of people think he might have snuck some of his political thoughts and feelings into his, uh, you know, ancient Roman plays or his any plays that were removed enough from English history to yeah. be safe. So I do think there, if you're looking at it in that context, there's some interesting thoughts about being a tyrant and that Brutus, he does seem to sympathize with Brutus for having this internal conflict of like, this guy's my best friend. We never see them interact. There's no say, evidence. So when I was listing off my, my problems with like not spending enough time with the characters, one is it's called Julius Caesar. We see him for two seconds. But the other is that they, they say, and I also though reading it this time, there's a lot of language about, like, I love you and you're my best friend to, like, everyone. Yep. That's kind of how they talk. Yeah. So I think that there's this idea, two ideas, actually, that, like, one, this is a play about hubris, which we'll return to because it kind of is, but it also kind of isn't. And two, that Brutus and Caesar are best friends and that's why it's so hard. Whereas I think Brutus, like, likes Caesar and they're close, <laughs> but, like, one, you've either got to direct some blocking there so we see it happen, or two... I think it really is more about the idea of Rome and killing a great man. Which know. is annoying because I, I think it's not as interesting. It's like Ned Stark in the books where you're like, oh my God, the king is his best friend and this is so hard for him to watch the king die versus in the show where you're like, oh, I guess they were in one scene together. But I, it's hard to pinpoint what um, Shakespeare's own political feelings were in general besides that he just didn't want to get taken to the tower. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that there's a lot of sympathy for this man who's working for the good of his country, even if it means fucking up all his interpersonal relationships. Yeah, it's something that gets echoed in a much more fun way with Hal and Falstaff 
um, Hal doesn't kill Falstaff, but he does kill Bardolph, and it's the worst thing that has ever happened in a play. We'll talk then. One funny thing I th- I found yeah. is uh, looking at the relationship between Caesar and Calpurnia is the first thing he says when he walks on stage, which I do think, honestly, the, the making the Trump thing mm-hmm. made all of Julius Caesar's lines so much funnier. Yep, absolutely. Because they are all things that Trump might say, and they do change it from this man who's like, valiant and heroic and speaking in these grand ideas mm-hmm. to just kind of an ass who's yep. full of himself. And both work. That's going to be my thesis of this yeah, one. Both sure. work. But um, the first thing he says when he comes on stage is basically like, haha, my wife is barren. Yep. <laughs> and like, that's, that's our title character. What a gem. And I'm just like, what? Why is that the first thing Caesar says? Well, I actually think there's something to that because it means he there's can't, something he can't do. Well, no, it means he can't be king. It uh, you know he can't be king and have a dynasty. Mm. Mm-hmm. He can't. I mean that's why Octavius is his uh, either nephew or grandnephew historically, but his adopted son both historically and in the play. Yeah. So like he has an heir, um, a clearly named heir. But it, I, I think it does set up an interesting kind of like he can't really fulfill the only fucking thing a king's supposed to do, which is squirt out new kings. Oh, that's so interesting. So he can't really Ew. be a king um, in that way. It's it's also like a little bit Macbeth vibes. I was going to say, I, yeah, it's there's something that he isn't quite good enough at, even though that's not science. Although but. when the soothsayer talks to Julius Caesar and is like, beware the Ides of March, Caesar's like, that's fake. But when the witches talk to Macbeth, he's like, oh, let me ruin my whole entire life myself because some witches yelled at me on the road. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. in that way, they are different. But it, it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting that um, I think we're, we're definitely supposed to look at ambition as a flaw in this yeah, play. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's a bird on the thing. Oh, there's a little bird out our window. Oh, flew away. It's not a fan of Julius Caesar either. <laughs> it was a portent. The call of the augury. Um, uh, I disembowel also, it. I, I think it was, it was either Julius Caesar or Augustus Caesar. I'm going to get my, my ancient Roman, like, urban legends wrong. But um, one of the, I think it was Julius Caesar, one of them, when they uh, burned his funeral pyre historically, they, like, put an eagle in a basket in the pyre so that the bird would be like, fuck, 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 and fly away right when it was lit on fire. So everyone would be like, oh, it's a portent, an eagle! I also think Shakespeare doesn't enjoy how much the Romans just had, like, no scruples at all and loved making, like... It was also... It's all very... Roman that they're like the skies are on fire and a, a lion is also someone just pick let up a that lion, lion out. someone go get that lion the the zoo is missing its lion I, I like that there's like the there is just it's just like one lion is again like, like a lion around. is not a weather pattern a lion they're like is not the weather is so crazy there's fire and a lion I'm like, what lion. are you talking about uh but it all happens off stage as with all of shakespeare's lions okay so some other thoughts i had i'm just gonna throw them at you sure Okay, I want to talk about the fact that Caesar faints also. I just want to talk about Caesar right now, really. Okay, here are sure. my Here are my weird takes on Caesar. Give us your takes. Um, so one, I, he, the fainting thing was just so Othello in that it was like, why? But even more like, why than Othello? Because mm-hmm. Othello, it's like, we need him to fall down for the plot. Caesar, it was funny because it's like, he, he faints and... 
correct me if I'm wrong in my mm-hmm. interpretation of the, the text around it, but they're basically like, one, he fainted, and then two, when he woke up, he was like, did I say anything weird? If I said anything weird, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Which I think, if you emphasize it, is Casca, like, or whoever it is, being worried that he really wants to be king and then he was like so overcome with how much he wanted to take that crown that he fainted and that also there's a good chance even though it didn't happen that when he fainted he might have been like give me the crown i want to be king so i don't know this is just like a weird addition also i thought it was interesting because another thing that i think kind of skates by unless you're listening real close Mm -hmm. again in terms of like whether or not you want to make the conspirators have a good point is that the senate is gonna crown him yeah like there's the thing at the beginning where he like denies the crown three times and if you emphasize that then like yeah maybe he's ambitious but he's not actually trying to fuck with the government he also denies the crown like not to be too much of a caesar apologist because especially after seeing that trump show it's hard to get that vi- uh, vision of caesar out of my head although i did see another production um, where he can be like a brave was, noble he was totally dude. not memorable and like a george washington right where it's like he was great at war so everyone's like can you be in charge and then yeah which is and then he sings that one song and then he sings here that one. comes the general one last time oh uh, okay history has its eyes and a production of julius you. caesar where he and brutus sing one last time and then brutus stabs him uh, the production of Julius Caesar that's really just Hamilton? The production of Julius Caesar that is where it's Hamilton. I'm into that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's come back to that at some point. Well, I, but yeah, yeah. He, he denies the crown three times. Which is another reason that on my first read as a high schooler, I was like, this is fake. Like, yeah, he's in charge, but somebody has to be in charge. But he's not, as best he can, he's keeping the, the mob happy, but he's not, like, doing anything wrong. But then it, somebody does say the Senate is going to give him the crown. And it's, like, kind of a rumor, and then it is something that they say to him to get him to come to the courthouse, but it's something they say before that scene. Like, they say it amongst themselves. So there is apparently, like, a good chance that that this was going to go there down is, the way they thought. But this is one of those classic... It's uh, It just feels really like a, a high school breakup, because it's, like... You could have just talked about it. It's one of those situations where you could have just talked about it before stabbing him. Yeah. And I think... Because he was willing to turn down the crown he didn't it's not like he's king or bust he's not Macbeth he, well we also get so little of Caesar I, I actually think it's interesting not to compare everything in the world to the Henriad but when we're talking about Shakespeare's it's a like, good chunk big fat history plays yeah um, I do think it's interesting that we don't in this one we don't get to see the usurper have to like really deal with the lasting weight of having usurped because also uh, you know, in, in um, Richard II, Bolingbroke, who grows up to be uh, big, big Dad Henry, uh, father of little Hal, he has to, like, deal with, like, okay, I gotta be king now. I gotta take responsibility for ousting that other guy that some people liked and some people didn't like, and now this is my deal. Whereas Brutus and Cassius and everyone are, like, stab Caesar, and then they're like, my... Like, at first, you know, they, they talk at the people, they give their, like, dueling debate club speeches where Brutus is like, we had to kill, kill Caesar because we had to. I'm not going to talk about this. Okay, okay, we, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, yeah, but I, I do think it's interesting that this is a version where they really have a no plan for after they kill well, that's Caesar. that's the thing, and again, that's why I think, like, for a modern audience, again, I think there are so many morals to be mined sure. from this play. This play 
doesn't take a clear opinion about no. a lot of things, but it does really warn a modern audience like, hey, before you answer what you view as a threat with violence, you better have a plan because if you don't, it doesn't matter. You're still going to lose. Yep. Yeah. Okay, they're dueling debate club speeches. I've been dying to talk. So here's a thing that I find fascinating. Okay. So Brutus, through most of the play, speaks in blank verse. Uh Uh-huh. In his speech to the crowd, he speaks in prose. Oh, I didn't catch that. And I, yeah. And it's interesting because it's one of the only prose speeches in the play. Yeah. And it is effective. Like, after he's done talking, the mob agrees with him. Antony's speech is far better. We'll talk about it in a second. But I just, I didn't quite know what to make of that. I think there are so many options of, one, like, that he doesn't quite know what to say. He didn't really plan it. Mm -hmm. Or that there's a part of him that's still conflicted about it. Or just, like, more support of the idea that, like, Brutus is the simple one. He is straightforward and of the people. Even though, again, when he's on his own, that's not how he talks. He's also not straightforward and of the... I mean, he's straightforward. He's dumb. I mean, oh, I, <laughs> yeah, not I, mince words. No, no, no. My things about Brutus also just... Okay, like, side note, let's just Okay, I think Brutus. we need to talk about Brutus before we come back to Antony. To Antony, because Antony's speech is incredible. Yeah, Anto- but oh, yeah. Basically, my, my thoughts on Brutus' speech is like, isn't it interesting? It's in prose? That's it. But, oh my god. So, Brutus won. Everybody wants a piece of this guy. Yeah. The first thing that or people say to him is, uh, or that he says is, uh, but let not therefore my good friends be grieved, uh, nor construe any further my neglect than that poor Brutus with himself at war forgets the show of love to other men. Like, everybody in this play who connects to Brutus other than, I guess, Caesar, <laughs> is like, Brutus, are you mad at me? And Brutus is like, no, I'm just quiet when I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking all the time. Thinking's really hard. Like, I but it is from the jump. Like, literally, the first thing that happens, Cassius is like, are you mad at me? Cassius is in love with Brutus. Everyone's in love with Brutus. Brutus. But like, when when Cassius and Brutus have their big fight after everything has uh, gone pear shaped and they're they're all upset, um, Cassius is like. You don't even like me. And Brutus is like, I don't like your faults, which is an amazing <laughs> line. And he's like, if you really loved me, you wouldn't see my faults. And Brutus is like, because I love you that I see your faults, which are the fucking size of Mount Olympus, Cassius. Yeah, he's like, you're a fucking asshole. I also, sorry, one sidebar about this scene. I love that twice in this play, a poet just like wanders in. But twice? In that, scene, in that scene, they're fighting and a character whose name is just Poet comes in and he's like, our dads are fighting! And they're like, it's fine, Poet, go back! And he leaves. It's amazing. Goes, yeah, I have, I have my note on that was, another poet? <laughs> this one? Why? Because at least the other poet is like, as much as it's a very funny scene to be like, haha, a name mix them up because everyone's named the same thing Get in this it? play. Everyone's name starts yeah. with C, LOL. It's also, I think, so much a play about mob mentality yeah. and how easy it is to sway the people. Oh, for sure. And so the fact that we get this very short scene where just the fact that his name is Cinna, it's enough that these random people start beating the shit out of him. Yep. Is, is a disturbing and is, I think, or is a disturbing scene and is very much thematically relevant. Yeah. Where is that other poet just like, why are you just wanders in. He's just a poet. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's just sort of like the eyes of history wandering in and being like, hey, you guys are fighting. You aren't really like a united front. And then he leaves again. But yeah, everyone wants a piece of Brutus. He's Ned Stark. He's the like, the solid, nice, good guy. I just, Brutus is just the worst. He's not the worst. He's not the worst. 
But, I, okay. What's, I think Brutus is a little dumb and he's, he's trying dumb. his very best. He's a little dumb and he's trying. But he also, he doesn't have his big, I mean, he's the only character who we really care about. Cassius a little bit, I guess. Maybe. Depending on the production. Unless, Depending unless on the production. He, he can totally be the villain if you want him yeah, to be. Yeah, for sure. But it's hard to care about Caesar because he's, he's in it for so little. In both, a 10 minute version. Yep. Both the women are basically glamorized cameos. We'll talk about them. Probably They're like the two best. Next, or the, they, they are. No, Portia's we'll, the best scene in the play. But, yeah, no, but. we'll we'll. I think I think maybe episode two is Antony and the women. Yeah, but Antony, who I I keep imagining as a woman. I think just because I've seen Antony played by a woman a lot of times, and I think it really works well. Yeah, honestly, I also think Cassius is a woman. I was watching that scene with. Okay, this is just like me fan fiction yes, for a second. Sure, but sure, the sure. scene with Brutus where he's like yelling at him, and it's very emotional. And most of the scene is about being like. You don't like me. You don't trust me. <laughs> I was like, there is an acting class somewhere, I hope, where it's a man and a woman and they're doing this as a love scene, like a bedroom scene in a tawdry motel. Like, that would be fun and cool. Because I do think it's, like, kind of a sexy scene. Oh, yeah. Regardless of genders, yeah. there, Cassius wants or, or to. Or a man and a man. It's whatever. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not, whatever. Or woman and a woman. Do your thing. But my point is, like, I think that that is one of the more interesting scenes yeah. because I think that, again, in terms of the... the issues with this play where we don't get a ton of time with anyone and we don't get a ton of time watching any relationships. Yeah. We hear a lot about everyone's relationships yeah. and we watch people react based on the relationship they are assumed to have had. But one of the only relationships we get to see is Brutus and Cassius. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons that this play is often not as engaging as it could be is I think that the heartbeat emotionally of this play largely has to be their relationship. And it can be so many things but it has to be interesting yeah which is i think why i struggle with brutus as the main character which he, he is for sure and i think yes definitely he and cassius are the heart of this play but also brutus is as uh not to make everything about game of thrones but as george R. R. martin says the only interesting story is the human heart in conflict with itself i think brutus is conflict has to be like do I choose my my country that I love and by extension like Cassius who I love or do I choose Caesar my best friend I am t I am alleging my best friend who I saw almost drown one but time But exactly but, well, but no well, Cassius was Oh sorry that that yeah, that you saw almost drown one time that's true Um but uh, yeah which he doesn't give us a lot about his relationship with Caesar I think a really good director could build in some moments between them But I I think it's difficult because Brutus doesn't, we don't get as much of his internal life and his internal struggle between those two options as we do with so many other characters and other better Shakespeare plays, which I know is kind of unfair to compare a Brutus to like a Hamlet. But I don't think Brutus really has the depth of character that I want him to have in terms of that I don't know. I struggle. mean, we do get that speech where he, you know, the one about the serpent, you gotta kill the serpent while it's in the egg. Yeah. I mean, we do see his struggle. I think it's just that the struggle is pretty straightforward and that we don't watch him waffle about it because I think he's like, he's like sad like a Hamlet, but he's decisive. Where yeah. I, and also, I think part of the reason the Portia scene is there, other than to be like, a woman, um, is... <laughs> Is to tell us that this has been going on. Is that he he had it has been at least a couple of days or a week, however long she says that he has been really cut up about it. Um, and I, I think no pun intended. Yeah, and I, I do think it's a very sort of traditionally masculine and very I guess Roman or the Elizabethan's idea of Roman that Brutus when he has that scene with Portia, which we'll 
talk more about next time. Um, he, she is like, talk to me. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what's up Tell with you. Tell me how you feel. And he's like, you know exactly how I feel. Exactly. Why do you insist you must hear the words when you know I cannot give you I words. stabbed myself in the Not leg. That was uh, Sunday in the Park with George. Uh, another <laughs> Star- lovely musical based on... Um, based on Julius Caesar. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think it's kind of this sad argument for Brutus's problem is that he doesn't, he doesn't talk about he it. doesn't talk about his feelings enough and that he's really I think uh, going back to the Brutus and Cassius relationship, it's an argument for not making one person the only person you're willing to be vulnerable and open with about all your feelings and your conspiracies. Like if he was honest with Portia, Maybe I mean she Portia's would have had a idea. Portia's She's crazy. Though. She would have been like fucking kill Caesar. Portia would have been like kill Caesar and then we'll kill ourselves, baby, and we'll both eat fire and it'll be hot. But it, like if he had talked to Caesar, who he's like Caesar, my best friend, who I never hang out with and never speak to. Well, that's the, th- the other thing is I think it's become like very much how we view this play is that yeah. they're best friends, and it's kind of in the language, but it's not as strongly in there as I thought. I guess that's true. You could play it that the et tu Brute is just like even you, Brutus, who we all know is the like the most the honorable, most honorable, most righteous, just like tottest, most sexy. Because even man the like I, I slew myself or I slew thee with not half so good a will of like even that could be like I was certain that I was killing you for our country and I'm killing for and I felt really or I killed you for my country and felt weird about it because I wasn't sure if it was the right thing and I know it's the right thing to kill me. Again, I don't think it's as interesting. I think they should be yeah, best friends. Yeah, I think it's more but, well, but they could be best friends in the way of like Regina George is my best friend but because it gets me th- this higher status and I don't actually talk to her and don't actually instead of like having a real honest conversation about her behavior that's upsetting me, I'm just going to let her get I also by think us. Brutus is is um is naive. I think yeah. that's really his big thing. Yeah, is like if I was gonna give him a character flaw, mm-hmm. it would be either yeah that he doesn't like show his feelings enough, or that he's he's naive. He truly says like every step of the way, especially when they've just killed him, uh, killed Caesar. Everyone's like, ah, what are we gonna do? We gotta do this. We gotta hide it. We gotta. Yeah. And he's like, no. We're just going to dip our hands in his blood to show that we honor him. Ugh, and then I'm just going to get up there and explain why we did it. And as soon as I explain it, everyone will understand. No one could possibly think there was anything wrong with yeah. what we did. And, like, that is so... That's one. That's why they need Brutus. I also think so much of this play is spent with people debating the optics of what they're doing. Oh, for sure. Like, as much as it purports to be a play that's about, like, the concepts of honor and what do you do and what's right, the real reason they need Brutus is it's going to make them look legit. Yeah. They debate, should we ask, you know, Cicero, because he's old, and, you know, like, there's all sorts of, even Antony, on the other side of it, has the same thing, where we get that weird little scene before the war really starts, where he's like, hey, I don't know if we've got the right team. There are three of us, and I trust you, Octavius, but that other guy, I'm not really sure if we're going to be splitting things three ways that he's the right guy to be splitting it with. But I guess I don't have a choice here because war is happening. Mm -hmm. But so much of this play is spent being like, do I have the right people on my team to convince everyone that I'm doing the right thing? Yeah. That's my whole thought. And now, Goodreads Reviews. 
I hated this one. I usually am not a fan of Shakespeare anyways, with the exception of the comedic Twelfth Night, and this made me want to stab my eyes out like Oedipus. I thought that this play, despite the war and backstabbing, literally, was brutally uninteresting. <laughs> brutally. <laughs> it's like if you took the Wikipedia page on Julius Caesar, added ghosts randomly throughout the text, and then proceeded to Google Translate it to Arabic and back again. As a wise man named Simon Cowell said, that's a no from me. I did not enjoy this story. I do not like the language of Shakespeare, and it was hard to follow the storyline. I also did not like that one part of the story had so much detail that it was excessively long. <laughs> Finally, I did not like that there were so many suicides, and I thought there were better ways of solving the problem. I mean, it's well written, and it's a classic, so I respect that. But reading this book for pleasure shouldn't be a thing. In my opinion, go read Holes or something that's maybe slightly interesting. Life is pretty short. Don't waste it on this book. <laughs> God, as brave as, Jul as Caesar was, he's probably the most stupid person in history ever, at least where Shakespeare's drama is concerned. And those dialogues he speaks, I'd seriously run my head through a wall and read those dialogues again. But then all the dialogues are just that, stupid, dramatic, spoken like an idiot. There is no redeeming for this one as long as I'm the one who's judging it. And I've been long wondering why Shakespeare is famous. And this is just adds to it. Anyway, it's probably just me, so give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> I was forced to read this for my sophomore English class. I honestly had no idea what was going on, mostly because I was just trying to drain out what was going on. I was very bored. But now that I'm reviewing it for the test over it, I'm actually understanding it. And it's honestly not that terrible. I'm just really bad at understanding Shakespeare. <laughs> I think this book was all right. I believed it lacked captivating the readers, therefore making it boring. <laughs> there wasn't much action besides Caesar's murder and midway through the book he got killed, so it was useless at that end. At the end. Not the, that great of a book. <laughs> Would not read it again. A part of me likes it. Then the other part of me is like, what did I just read? The plot sounds like something I would have made up when I was nine. But then it's written so well, I gave the plot a pass. The pretty words make up for it. The story was lame, but I made a wicked sweet puppet show all about it. The puppet show definitely would have earned another two stars. It's fine. This has been Goodreads Reviews. <laughs> oh these are good go oh and now <laughs> the part of the podcast where we read an iconic monologue from the play while doing a series of silly voices we do so charlotte what monologue are you going to be sharing with us today oh it's just a little monologue that you might know as Friends Roman's Countrymen. Amazing. So this is this is Mark Antony. And why don't you just start it just as a, as a Shakespearean orator. Great. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Squidward. The evil that men do lives <laughs> after them. The good is often turned with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. That bat Bartok from Anastasia? I'm not confident I can do this way, so I wrote it down. Uh, the noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar Bubbles answered it. from the Powerpuff Girls. Here, 
under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men. Come I to a speak. A snake. Just a snake. In Caesar's <laughs> funeral, he was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious. And Brutus is an honorable man. Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Voldemort. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious. And Brutus is an honorable man. Mr. Ed, the horse. <clears throat> Wait, give me, give me a second around that. You all did see that on the Lupercal, I thrice presented him a kingly crown, which he did thrice, thrice refuse. Was this ambition? <clears throat> Yet Brutus says he was ambitious. A sexy vampire. Give me some true blood action. <sighs> and sure... He is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke facts, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn for A him? A musical theater protagonist. Oh, judgment! Thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. <laughs> and that's the end of the speech. That's awesome. So that brings us to the, the end of another rollicking good time uh, here at What You Will, a tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. I've been Charlotte Ollian. And I continue to be Danielle Cohn. Please, um, please, please look us up on the intranet. Um, at what you will on, on Instagram now. Yes, we've got an Instagram. Instagram account, what underscore you underscore will underscore podcast. Please share and like and rate and review. Give us a, a handful yeah, the, of the stars. Most useful five, we, we're only accepting five, five star, star reviews. reviews at this time. Subscribing to our, our podcast and also reviewing it would be super, super helpful. And As tell well, your just friends. Tell a, tell a person you think would like it. Also, if um, you want to send us some hate mail or a love letter, if you want to conspire with us to murder a major political figure, you can email us at whatyouwillpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your thoughts and um, have a good day. Beware the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of should just make sounds like you've stabbed me a bunch of times <laughs> like, i think i should actually stab you yeah with all of get all of our friends together and stab. how it's like it's bad to be stabbed but like what it's all of your friends <laughs> you know it's also like is that why we call it a caesar salad because you've just stabbed it a bunch of what? times while you eat it <laughs>
So this is salad is you said maybe we should just call salads Caesars. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what I have for you. I have brought you this joke like cat with a mouse, just like something you don't want, just but that a I dead have. mouse on my doorstep. Ah, she's stabbing me. Ah, stop it, Charlotte. Ah, don't tell me. Charlotte, stop stabbing me. Ah. <laughs> she's dead now. <laughs>